Don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm not one of of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. You don't seem that happy that you've won. More than you believe. More than you believe I'm happy. It's already sh So you have not to say uh, I saw it was sh So you can try to... Um, yeah, that would help in a game like this. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Oh, you know already before you ask, that's a sh question. I like that, that, is, that you still ask it. You don't have to, you don't have to. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy, happy new year. Lions, they don't compare themselves with humans. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, respect. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Happy Majestic Memorial Monday. Hope everybody's doing as well as all Manchester City fans are, because not only have we officially lifted our first trophy, but we're getting ready to take our second trophy on Saturday and our third trophy next Saturday, unlike the other team from Manchester City, uh, from Manchester, who's just mentally preparing for what awaits them on Saturday. But let's bring in one of their fans, my favorite of their fans. What's up, Ry? What's going on? Yeah, I think it was a great weekend. And I got to say, I do like the fact that United got to come from behind win, just positive vibes going into a very, very tough and, uh, you know, trying test upcoming this Saturday. But I won't lie to you, I'd rather go in with three wins on the spin versus uh, a city side who have been sitting back on their laurels, just waiting for us to come to Wembley and meet them up there. Yeah, we're good. We're used to this. We're uh, we're used to sitting back waiting for teams. We'll be fine. Uh, yeah, enough. To be fair, we're going to preview that entire game, probably the entire episode on Friday, because there's not yeah. a lot going on. But on this episode, we have a bottling for the ages in the Bundesliga over the weekend that we're going to talk uh, about. Tragedy. We need to talk about how Everton stay up, Leeds and Leicester gone, what that means for both of their teams, because – they have some talented players, and the question becomes who the hell is staying with them and where are the yep. other ones going? And then we also have something else to talk about that is completely uh, gone out of my mind. So let's talk about what happened in the Prem. Everton, find a way by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin. Yes, they do. Through. This close. It got yeah. to the point where after that first half, I said they may actually be gone. They may be gone here. They did not look good. DeCorey saves the day with a 57th-minute goal. Jordan Pickford, glorious save in the 97th minute. Yeah. Tremendous. I, I mean, I know that guy gets a lot of shit, but, oh, yeah, the other thing sucks. we're going to talk about today, who's the bigger loser, Harry Kane or Mbappe? Because I, I yeah. got a case for somebody. I got a real case for uh, the Englishman, and I don't think you're going to like it very much, but I got a real case for him. Back to Everton. Barely get through. Good, probably the best performance Lester put together all season was when they needed yep. it uh, least when it was completely out of their hands. It didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I'm. This is a credit to me moment. I'm going to take it on the second episode of this podcast. I told you, Lester City was going down. You got it at ten to one. If you listened to me, if you didn't listen to me, then shame on you. You missed out on a ten to one ticket. Uh, mm. Leicester City gone, Leeds so deservingly gone. They were such trash. Lackluster yep. performance in that final game against Spurs when Harry Kane just pants them. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on the weekend? I mean, I thought it was actually a pretty exciting final day uh, just, you know, for the casual fans, for, you know, neutral fans. I thought that the bottom of the table sides, those were fantastic. Like talk, even though it didn't matter at all really for either team, but an all time game between Southampton and Liverpool, Southampton go down early two nil, bring it back to two, two, get ahead three, two, and then it ends four, four. I mean, what a game for the neutrals. What a game for their fans is the last game in the Prem for a while. Uh, Decore. I mean, if I, I don't know, personally, I wanted Everton to stay up because of they're a very storied club. They, you know, even though they've had a pretty tough couple of seasons, they deserve to be in the Prem. They're a big club. They have a big following, a big fan base, but what a strike to keep them up. I mean, that Decore goal was fantastic. Uh, like you said, the Pickford save, I am not a Jordan Pickford fan. I don't think he should be England's number one. Uh, but I do love the fact that in the big moment, he stepped up when his team needed it. you got to love that kind of thing. And then, like you said, Leicester, they put in their best performance of the year in a game where it was already out of their hands, which is hilarious. Leeds, tough look. I mean, their fans after the game, when their players were doing the lap of you know appreciation for their fans, the fans were chanting, you don't deserve to wear the shirt. Never a good look. Uh, like you said, I think I think there's going to be a fire sale at a few of is these clubs. Is that on the fans or is that on the players? What you don't deserve to wear the shirt? I mean, you got to say it's the players. Like that if you if you're these if you're these fans and you're leads again, another big side. Granted, they've been up and down, but they have the talent on that roster to at least stay in the prem. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that the performances we saw from them, I put it more on the management and the players than anything else. And the fans like had a pretty, pretty tough time, especially in the second half of the season. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's how it goes. And then we got Arsenal doing what Arsenal do in a game where it's meaningless. They get second, no matter what, they're not going to win anything. They absolutely destroy a Wolves side who, you know, couldn't be bothered to show up to the Emirates. Uh, as I said, Manchester United come from behind to win 2-1 at Fulham and to tie the all-time record for most wins in a season for a Premier League manager, um, which is fantastic to finish third above Newcastle. That's huge. Uh, you know, Eric Ten Hag, I think, had a brilliant first season. And then, you know, just seeing the top four locked is fantastic that Newcastle are up there. I think United and uh, Arsenal were deservedly up there. And like you said, we're going to talk about kind of the season wrap-up after the FA Cup, but... I thought, considering it was a weekend where really only a couple games mattered, I thought there were a lot of great games. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I got a hot take on Leeds, too. Um, I think Leeds can directly point to the fire in Jesse Marsh for the relegation. Because from that point forward, it was – listen, that was not an upward trajectory. But I think we can agree that uh, with Jesse Marsh, they're not getting relegated. I mean, mm-hmm. while they weren't getting great results – they were still playing okay. They were still a bit of a threat moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last two months of the season, they have been an embarrassment. An yeah. Embarrassment. I, I'm not sure if it was Jesse Marsh so much as the stability of like a single manager to take them through. I think the biggest problem when you start firing managers left and right, and we saw it with Chelsea, is that there's no time to build that rapport between manager and players. And also every manager has a different style of football. Every manager comes in and wants to coach the team a specific way, have a specific formation, use players in a certain way. And if you're changing that constantly, there's never going to be any, you know, uh, consistency for the players to be able to go out and perform. And Chelsea is the best example in the sense that, you know, 
they have incredible talent on their roster, but are just going through managers that are all terrible. I mean, you have in one season, Tuchel and then Potter and then Lampard and now Pochettino. It's like, of course, those players aren't going to perform at their best level because they don't know what the fuck is going on. And then you drop down the talent level to Leeds and it's like they're in a relegation battle and you've changed up the manager twice during that battle. Like, I mean, you know, so I think it's a very, very tough spot for the players. But at the same time, when you watch those performances and I, I say the same about Leicester, but I think Leeds is a more talented team overall. Leicester and Leeds didn't deserve to stay up. The way they played, absolutely piss poor their players should have been able to grab a few more results than they did. And ultimately, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's a 38 game season. It doesn't matter where you are after 35, after 30, after 25, when you hit that 38 game, you are where you deserve to be. And I think they deserve to be relegated. Yeah. uh, I couldn't agree more. I'm still surprised that Bournemouth managed to get through, but I mean, they played the right way. Well, I mean, yeah. What a performance from them in the last six weeks of the season. They were absolutely fantastic. Like you said, you get to a point in the season where you kind of fall where you belong. Yep. Uh, those two belonged in the bottom three. I didn't think Everton did. Everton was all right. They had to deal with so many injuries. Um, but that's that's a much bigger club than a 17th place team. Like they, yep. ownership needs to get it together. And again, here we go with the stadium stuff. They can't go buy players because they're building a new stadium. I don't know why owners can't understand this. Stop building new stadiums. You go fucking broke. How many times do we have to go over this? It happened with Arsenal. It happened with Tottenham. It happens with every team that builds a new fucking stadium. Like, stop. Stop, stop, stop. It's a terrible idea. Well, I mean, at one point you do need to update things, but I think that's where, again, the argument for super wealth comes in is like, you need to be able to do both at the same time or set up your team to be able to succeed for multiple seasons with only having to bring, like, if you look at Manchester City, the past few seasons, they haven't needed to bring in a bunch of new players every year. They've only needed one or two. People think it's possible because Manchester City did it without a problem. You are not Manchester City. Every time you go to fill up your gas tank, it doesn't go to a new player like Holland. It doesn't happen for anybody other than us. Doesn't well, do no, it. but what I'm saying, what I'm saying though, is that if you wanted to build a new stadium, City is set up where the last few seasons they've only had to bring in one or two players really to help their team compete and be as good as they are. Whereas a situation like Everton or Manchester United or Arsenal you need a lot of new players and that costs a lot of money. So you can't do both at the same time. If you're already set up for success and you only need one or two players, fine. But if you need a lot of new players, like, I mean, if you look at that starting lineup for Everton, there's a couple of players that I think are solid that I really enjoy watching that I think are worthy of starting every game, but there's probably six or seven first team players there that should not be starting or at least would not be starting for a lot of other teams. And so they need a lot of new personnel, but I am very happy to see them stay up. They're one of only two clubs to never go down. Is there a player on Everton that would actually start on a big team? It will be, I believe would. I think you vote. You won't and technically be. Jordan Pickford. I mean, he starts for fucking England. Oh, okay. All right. Pickford, Pickford's a different story, but I'm talking about all field players. And I agree. I think if Wobie's the one that you can really make a case for, I mean, if, you look, if he could stay healthy, Dominic Calvert-Lewin probably would. No, but he's no, never healthy. I, so I've never been high on him. I don't. I don't mm. enjoy watching him. He's just kind of one of these guys that, like, I, I hate saying this because it sounds bad, but he kind of scores on accident. Like he never. Yeah, that's how I feel about Raheem Sterling. So 
Uh, no, Raheem is Raheem's the guy that misses one from two feet away somehow and blows your mind, <laughs> and then rips one from forty yards away, and you're like, "Where the fuck did that come from?" Yeah, I think but, I think it will be would start on most other sides. I think Decore would on half the sides, um, but yeah, I mean it's not it's not many, but it's also a club in the bottom of the table, so you know and you just don't expect take that. that money. Take the money you're going to spend on a new stadium and just go buy yourself a super team. Like, it, it's not hard. Make some renovations to your stadium. Also, like, I hate when you lose that feel. Like, Tottenham lost that feel. They, this yeah. new Spurs stadium is gorgeous, but it's lost the feel. Like, Manchester United, I know you guys need renovations and this thing's falling apart, but, like, you should never want a new Old Trafford. Like, you just got to no, no, absolutely. Things. I, you I agree. renovate them. Well, I think, yeah, certain certain spots, it's, you know, it's really important to kind of keep what makes a specific ground magical. And, you know, obviously there's some grounds that need it, but like a perfect example is Upton Park. I mean, you look at the West Ham Stadium now and it's too big and there's a fucking track around the field. So you're so far away from the action that it's not as fun to go and watch. The noise isn't as loud, you know. That's my biggest pet peeve with certain soccer stadiums, the track around. I yeah, they don't need it. Around. Why do we have it? it it's just – and it's like the one in FIFA too, uh, Odromo. Like, I hate that. I hate mm-hmm. that stadium. I can't play in that stadium. It drives me nuts. I need the I get it. I get it for, like, a place like Wembley that's an international competition stadium and all that, but not when it's, like, specifically for one team. And Wembley you know, doesn't have that, though, do they? They can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they can, but they they usually don't, right? Uh, I mean, I'd have to look at it right now, but they, I mean, I've been there with the track. They had a bunch of track shit there during the Olympics, so they obviously. Oh, yeah, can't. that's true. Uh, let's talk about what happened at Wembley, because that was just some magical stuff, dude. And talking Absolutely. about a stadium that I'm hoping doesn't get renovated all that much. Well, it has to. <laughs> it, I, I know it, it has it, to, but like, I yeah. hope that it's not that bad because it'll kind of lose the lure. Uh, Luton Town get through another credit to me yeah. moment, which we're going to be throwing those out all damn episode. Credit to me, Luton Town by penalty shootout. I told you it was going to be the most painful way possible. Luton was yep. going to find a way, and we were going to have to suffer through it. Sounds like you were suffering even more on Saturday. I was, but, but uh, yeah, incredible moment when they finally missed Ethan Horvath in goal. Couldn't really walk for the second half of extra time. Everybody's wondering, like, are they actually going to let this dude take the penalties? Luckily, didn't even need to save one. Uh, you he would have saved it anyway. Yeah, you got to feel it anyway. Yeah, to cover. Yeah, I, and, I and love the penalty shootout. Uh, I want to say it was I, I. I totally forget his name, but is it Tanoa or whoever missed the penalty? Though 162 games for Coventry, he's never scored. Like, it's just like, oh, what a tough, tough look for him. But yeah, I mean, absolutely magical. If you look at Luton Town's ground, it's a stadium that fits 10,391. There are high school football stadiums here in the States that have more people than that. Their ground is in the middle of Luton. I mean, we're talking housing right up to the stadium against it. You have to walk through essentially houses to get to the stadium. They need a minimum 10 million pound renovation to come up to Premier League standards with their pitch as well as their um, seating. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes there, but it's absolutely incredible that in a decade, less than a decade, in nine seasons, they were not even playing league football. They were in the National League and they came all the way up 
conference, league two, league one championship. And now they're in the prem inside of 10 years, a club that was bought, uh, I believe it was seven years ago for less than a hundred pound because of all the debt. Like, obviously that's a sensational headline, but because of all the debt was bought for less than a hundred pound. And now they're in the prem just got $200 million or excuse me, pounds. Um, you know, it's just an incredible story. Really exciting to see. It's going to be crazy to see teams like Manchester United and Manchester city and Liverpool going to fucking Luton town, yeah. uh, to play Premier league football. Yeah, it was fun because uh, the stadium that is in my hometown, we used to sneak into. We used to play uh, soccer there in mm. like that stadium is has the same amount of seating as Luton Downs. Yeah, like it's insane because all the high school kids play there. Like all the yeah. high school games play at the old Foley Stadium. And when I'm watching the game with my girlfriend, I'm explaining to her like, hey, this team is going to go play Holland and Manchester city who she knows yeah. because that's my baby. And he's on the approval list for her. Um, and Holland has to go play now in Lewintown. He's basically yeah. go playing at the old Foley stadium. She's like, Oh my God, seriously. I was like, yeah, that's the magic of this sport. That's what yep. these stupid Americans can't figure out. You morons. Hey, you want to fix the MLS? How about you get Lewintown in there? Yeah. Get some, Lewintown. get some, but that's that's the thing I've always said is that like there's no stakes because you're never going to go down. Like yeah, you, it doesn't matter if don't get me wrong, it's great to win a title, but at the end of the day, if you lose every single game, there's no punishment for that. And not just that, there's no reason for fans to get behind their local team. Why do I give a shit about Worcester FC? Nobody gives a damn. Yep. There's nowhere for them to go. There's no excitement. There's no journey. There's no anything. Yep. They're just watching Huey, Dewey, and Louie every damn week suck. And you think well, and, and imagine, if I was skinny and in shape, I could play for them. Well, but like imagine being a Luton Town fan over the last 10 years. Like what yeah. an incredible journey you've been on. Magic. Absolute magic. It's the magic that only soccer provides. Yeah. No other sport that can provide it. Um, so awesome story there. I, I love the penalty shootout, by the way. If you <laughs> got a chance to rewatch that game, that is my exact case for a penalty shootout. There was no action outside of a handball that led to a goal. Um, there was zero action for that 30 minutes. The people yeah. that sit there and tell me that they don't like penalty shootouts, go watch that. Because that game, um, I, I don't want to say necessarily sucked in extra time. Players are cramping. Players are exhausted. Yeah. It was hot as all hell. The emotions, the stakes of the game, like it all just wears on you physically Go watch that game and tell me penalties weren't the right way to go. And then watch yeah. the drama of the penalty shootout where there were literally 11 perfect penalties before that miss. 11 perfect penalties, world-class yeah. penalties. And then it comes down to one guy whose booty got a little tight and he just misses. And what's uh, like the other thing as well is that there's no bigger drama. I mean, I personally, the thing I don't like about penalties is that it's, much less about soccer it's more about like you know how's your bottle but at the same time that drama is unreal and unmatched and it for a moment kind of equalizes everyone in a way that is compelling and exciting and at the end of the day like you said after 120 minutes of football these guys are gassed and especially on a pitch like Wembley which is one of the biggest pitches in the world you know yeah. it's a very very tough run so yeah I mean and and at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta finish it somehow. People don't want to be there for four fucking hours. Like it's like hockey. You don't want to go to seven overtimes. At one point, we need to just get it together. But unless I mean, it's in the playoffs, and your name's Matt Kajuk. 
yeah what a goal um <laughs> but yeah i mean incredible story incredible to see them up there it's going to be wild i'm definitely going to a luton game next season um yeah it's going to be really cool to have that small i mean bournemouth is kind of the same it's only an eleven thousand person stadium yeah yeah but i think i think we've kind of just like uh gotten used to it so much that the polish has kind of come off a little bit with yeah yeah for sure but uh, yeah it'll be a nifty little story um i feel bad when holland comes to town but yeah i mean they're gonna go straight back down but maybe not maybe not no they're going right back down i mean you would think that that was the other takeaway i had from that game was that you watch it, and that is that neither of those teams are ready to play in the front. I mean, you're going to be run off the pitch, especially when you go to places like Old Trafford and the London Stadium where the pitch is the biggest it can be. Sometimes you watch these games and you're like, okay, I see some potential in this kid. I see some potential in this kid. Like, mm. I can or, see something over a 38-game season, but those two teams need to be completely revamped. The Lewintown's team is only yeah. worth $10 million. Well, but that's the other thing is like there's some teams in the championship that are Premier League ready. They just got relegated because they either had a bad season or some luck went the wrong way or they just didn't have it. But like Burnley this season deserves to be back in the prem. You know what I mean? Like they've been fantastic. I think they're going to come up and compete and I think they're going to stay up because Vincent Company is a very competent coach and their squad is deep. But, you know, at the same time, that is obviously not the case for Luton. And yes, they're going to get in a bunch of new players, but it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, you need depth in this league, and if you don't have it, good luck. Good yeah, luck, because there's no there's no break. We talk about it all the time. I mean, you talked about it at nauseum this past season. There's no break for a team like Manchester United. I mean, and while nope. you guys don't bring in as many players as you would like, uh, you guys have way more resources and way more quality and way more depth than a team like Luton ever will. Yeah, hey, so, absolutely. And, and again, more than more than a lot of squads, but it's also exactly like you said, the more the better you are, the more games you play because you stay in other cup competitions yeah. longer. And so it's going to be, you know, a, a tough thing for suddenly now you got to do Carabao Cup, FA Cup and the Prem. But all of your competition is so much harder. So every game you have to try harder or your emotions are down because you just got whacked five nil. Speaking of emotions down. We need um, to talk about the great bottle job of the new millennium. Like, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking. For those of you that didn't watch the Bundesliga over the weekend, uh, Borussia Dortmund just had to beat Mainz at home. They were minus 750 pregame. Uh, get scored on twice. They allow the first goal. They get a penalty. Sebastian Allaire, 96% conversion rate on penalties. Takes the worst penalty of his life. Mainz go down the field, score. They're up 2-0 at halftime. Bayern Munich doing their part. Then Bayern Munich let in a goal. Bayern Munich, uh, excuse me, then Borussia Dortmund ties it. It went all the way back to 2-2. Bayern Munich get a goal with Jamal Musiala, a worldly goal, by the way. That kid, you want to talk about the next one? That's the next one. Jamal Musiala. Um, yeah. Long story short, Bayern Munich end up winning 2-1. Borussia Dortmund finished 2-2 absolute bottle job to the highest degree man it was it was heartbreaking to watch but i do want to give some credit i want to give some credit to the referee of that borussia dortmund game because there was only supposed to be six minutes of extra time nicolas sulo scores a beautiful goal to tie the game at 2-2 that ref could have easily blown the whistle the second that ball was played in 
He had every right to do so. There was no extra time. There was no anything that was played. He let it go for another two minutes and just said, I'm going to give you guys one kick down the field, and if you guys score it, it's good. Credit to the ref for understanding the moment, not being a stickler for the rules. Nice work, bro. Yeah. I mean, it was just really – it was tough to watch because, I mean, you knew it was over immediate in 24 minutes. Like, you go down 2-0 in 24 minutes against – a relegation side and your one chance to win the league in what nine seasons 11 11 excuse me i mean just heartbreaking but also like the moment was too big for you and munich do what they do they win they find a way to do it and dortmund had every opportunity bricked it i mean the, the missed penalty that's what says it all it's it's like again this is what why football is beautiful and you know, heartbreaking and amazing is because you get this situation where, hey, we have a chance to do something incredible. And it comes down to individual moments of can you handle the pressure? Can you come out on top? Can you be that hero? Or are you going to sink? And are you going to drop down back to where people think you should be? And my God, did they? It was just really tough to watch as well, because I know pretty much the whole football world wanted Marco Royce to get a title under his belt before he retired. But Hey, you know what? He can join Steven Gerrard in a great career that never uh, got over the line. His, in the league. his career in general has to be the most heartbreaking because, like, I love I love when players stay at one team their entire career. It's a soft yeah. spot for me. me it's too. something I grew up with in Boston. You have it in Golden State now with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, et cetera. You have that. I've, I grew up watching it in Boston – between Brady being here for 20 years and, you know, the last couple of years or whatever, Pierce being here until he was old and gray and ready to go, never left in his prime, Bergeron, like every sport I've had this. So, like, yeah. I appreciate it. And the fact that Marco Roy stayed at Borussia Dortmund and before, I think it was the 2014 World Cup, hurts his foot, can't play in the 2014 World Cup, ready to make the 22 World Cup, ends up hurting his knee. Time after time, the UCL final, ends up blowing it i mean that guy just in the most painful ways possible he has to have the most painful career possible but um didn't didn't Dortmund win a champions league though with him nope finished no? the they lost that was the yeah. Arjen robin final uh yeah of course yeah 2-1 with uh Lewandowski. just i i mean like dude you gotta feel for that guy it was painful yeah. to watch them do it and Bayern munich handed it to him on a platter because Bayern Munich choked the game before against Leipzig. Uh, it, it was a yeah bottle job that we never see from Bayern Munich. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and this is Bayern Munich's like worst team. They're going to be so much better next season. So it's yeah. like, this was your chance Dortmund. And also like their fans, like one of the absolute best fan bases, one of the best stadiums, like uh, just sucks, but oh, well, I mean, that's football. That is, is football. That's why it's so much fun. Also, uh, my girlfriend's friend came over and she is from Ghana and loves footy. And we were saying like, yo, we'll go out, we'll grab some coffee, whatever, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. Sits down at 930. She had just walked in the door and she's like, oh, you got the Dorman game on? No, no, no. We'll just, we'll order out. We'll order takeout. We're good. <laughs> and my girl's face was just like, are you serious right now? And she's like, yeah, this is, this is a big game. Like this is for the Bundesliga. And I was just like, Oh, I need to have you over more often. Yeah, yeah it's tough, man. I mean, it, it's an interesting season. Like, there's been a lot of kind of slip ups that 
I think the Arsenal one was expected, but still obviously, you know, really hurt their fans and their fan base and their players as well. You could see it as soon as their players knew it was over. Man, I mean, that's been a sad side to watch. But with this, with the Bundesliga, it's like they were given an opportunity rather than them taking it themselves. It was like, oh, hey, here's a chance for you that you didn't expect you'd have. And when they were handed it, they just dropped it. You know, it's just, it's too bad. I wanted to see it, but there you go. I mean, Kingsley Coman is the winningest fucking football of all time. That guy's going to end with like a hundred trophies. I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous. But you know what I want to see? The United beat City in the FA Cup final. No, don't be ridiculous. Uh, I want to see Jose Mourinho lift that trophy on Wednesday. Um, yeah. For those of you that forgot, everybody's going to forget because it's a freaking Wednesday for no reason. The Europa League final, and it's massive because neither of these teams have qualified for the Champions League. There's a Champions League spot on the line. Mourinho, another trophy, cup game. Not to mention, second episode, we talked about me giving out lesser. Another credit to me yep. moment. I gave you guys Roma at 16-1 to 1 to win the Europa League. I'm still sitting on that ticket, hoping and praying something good happens here. And I'll tell you what, there's no coach in the world I want to go to war with for one game and one game only than Jose Mourinho. Yeah, That's my I, guy. I, He's going to pack him in, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, I think this is another great candidate for going to extra time, whether it's penalties or decided in extra time. But I've seen a plus 400 prop on for it to go past 90 minutes. I love that in this game. I also love the under, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be a Mourinho special and it's great because you have two sides that are, it's like an unstoppable force or yeah, an unstoppable force coming up against an immovable object in the sense that it's Sevilla. I mean, all they do is Europa League. This is their competition. They win it every time. They've never lost a Europa League final. And then you have Mourinho who's never lost a cup final. So it's a really interesting matchup. I think Mourinho is going to get it done, but Sevilla always find a way to create some magic in Europa League. I'm rooting for Roma because fuck Sevilla. Uh, but I think under all day, I think it goes past 90 minutes. I think this is a spot where we could probably see another penalty shootout. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I think this one's definitely going under the two. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be the Mourinho masterclass, dude. Pack everybody yeah. back. I don't think Sevilla have the offensive firepower that they need to really push forward and nick a goal. If they do, it's going to be one and that's it. And it's a similar thing for Roma. I mean, the question is, who's going to start? Is Diabala going to start or is he going to continue bringing him off as a super sub? Is it going to be Tommy Abraham or are you going to have Andrea Bellotti? I'm looking at the lineups, but I'm telling you, no matter what it is, I'm going to take Jose Mourinho to lift the cup at minus 108. I think you have a great look with the extra time too. I mean, yeah. this is just, this is under two and a half all day, every day, no questions asked. Um, yeah. I just, I love Mourinho so much, dude. <laughs> yeah, he is special. We know that. But uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Because I think also, when you look at the style of play, Mourinho and Roma this season, they are more than happy to sit back and invite pressure. But also, and you kind of hit on this, even though they're not the elite players that they could have been or once were, but Dybala, Tammy Abraham, Belotti, they're much, 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 much more effective going forward than Sevilla's front line. And I think when you look at, and again, obviously I go back to this, but against Manchester United at Old Trafford, when Manchester United let the two-goal lead uh, slip away, they still didn't have a shot on target. Both were own goals. When you look at the second leg, when United lost 3-0, 
Two of them were horrendous backline errors, one from the keeper, one from Harry Maguire, that were just tap-ins. So Sevilla doesn't create big chances. They need chances created for them. Mourinho's not going to let them do that. That's the way they're drilled. Whereas if you give Dybala a chance, if you give Tammy Abraham a chance, their pace, their clinical finishing, kind of, uh, Bilotti in the air with his head, I think that they, if you're going to do a smash and grab goal, give me Roma all day. There you go. Um, all right, so... What do we have anything else? All right, we got one debate that we're going to talk about here with Harry Kane and Mbappe. We're going to talk about that in a brief second. But before we do, I have one more pick um, that I want to give you guys. I have been enjoying the under 20 World Cup. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Some terrible pitches in Argentina, which they really need to figure out. But I got a pick to win this thing that I've started to fall in love with the story. You ready for this? Tell me. You want to pull it up real quick and figure out who I'm going to take? Gambia. You motherfucker, how'd you know? Have I been telling you about Gambia? You've been telling me about Gambia. This Gambia team, I don't even know what they are. Are they Gambians? Are they Gambians? Yo, give me the Gambians all damn day. This team moving forward has been insane, okay? They've taken out the likes of France. They've kicked France's ass, okay? They dominate that game. Underdogs against South Korea. Stable defensively, get the 0-0 draw. They beat Honduras 2-1, and that game should have been 8-1. I know because I watched that, and I had a minus 1.5. They didn't cover for me there, but it was still a hell of a performance. This Gambia team is legit. If this was a leg- if this was a different name country, look out, folks. But I'm telling you, they got a dope draw, too. They're going against an Uruguay team that looked like absolute butt against fucking Tunisia. They lost to England. They got their ass kicked by England. They got a great draw there. Then they're going to play either Team USA or New Zealand in the next round. Those Mm. just suck because the United States didn't send anybody for some reason to the U-20 World Cup. Yep. In the bottom half of their section, Uzbekistan, Israel, incredible story for Israel. They both suck. And then it's Brazil, Tunisia. It's going to be a semifinal between Gambia and Brazil. And I'm telling you, these Gambians, dude, that look out for this team. 16 to 1. Daddy's in. Daddy locked in his ticket. I'm all <laughs> in on Gambia. All right. Hey, I'm going to tell you on that. I love that you've been watching. I have not been watching it at all because I've been so wrapped up in the Prem uh, and this Manchester United sale. But yeah, I mean, I I fully believe it. I've been looking at the score lines and they hold a lot of possession as well, which is really important. Yeah, a lot of fun there. So let's talk about the big news. Okay. Big news comes out of PSG. Kylian Mbappe comes out and says, I'm staying with PSG for another year. Everybody on God's green earth has been begging him. Get the hell out of PSG. Your career is dying. You're missing out on an opportunity to be put in the category of Messi, Ronaldo, to be put in the category of the greats. And this guy can't figure it out to save his life. Well, I mean, that's a bit hard. No, it's really not, dude. Because you want to know how poor the French league is right now? You want to know how oh, shitty the French league is? Not only is it bad, it's so bad, they're cutting out two teams. That's how much this league sucks. Next year, they're going to go from 20 teams to 18 teams because the teams are going broke because the other teams suck so much. The TV deals suck because nobody wants to watch a Farmers League. And the best player in the world, a guy with the potential to go down as one of the greatest ever or the greatest ever, is sitting there picking his ass and parents, eating his freaking croissants, making stupid amounts of money. And if it's about the money, dude, stop, okay? Because we all know financial fair play is not a thing. 
Okay, especially for a player like Kylian Mbappe. Real Madrid can go get him. They're probably the first in line. But if it's seriously about the money, the team with the with the flag behind me, you we got unlimited amounts. We got whatever the hell you want, buddy. Newcastle has unlimited amounts. Financial fair play is not a thing. Chelsea probably have unlimited amounts with that bobo. Yeah. Although I don't know why the hell you want to go there. If it's about the money, get the hell out of Paris, dude. It's never going to happen. That thing is about to blow up, and you're literally sitting on the landmine saying, no, this isn't a landmine. This is a recliner, dude. Like, bro, you 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 are the dumbest man alive. And then you have Harry Kane that apparently wants to stay at Spurs, too. So, Yep. yep. I mean, I... The, the thing about this, it's I mean, it's not even a debate in my mind because Harry Kane is exactly who we know him to be, right? He's going to score anywhere between 25 and 35 goals a season, all competitions. He's a great finisher. His pace is never going to be anything to really, you know, look at, but he's got great headed finishes. He can finish with his left and his right. But we know what he is, whether you put him on Manchester City, on PSG, on Real Madrid, on Manchester United. It doesn't matter. He's going to be what he is exactly right now at Tottenham. Maybe he might get a few more goals at these other clubs because they create more chances. But overall, it's going to be the same. Kylian Mbappe, we haven't even begun to see how incredible he could be. And the way you know this is this last World Cup, the way that he was when his team needed him to come on and change the game, he did. He was so elite because he needed to raise the level of his game. Against Argentina in the final, he needed to raise his game, and he did, and he was fucking incredible. Went toe-to-toe with Messi and the Argentinians by himself almost. And then in PSG, he never does. He could literally, like you said, sit back in a recliner and pick up the league title every year because it doesn't matter. Whereas as soon as he gets into the Champions League, he's lost, and they're never going to do anything because of the fact that his teammates aren't good enough. They don't raise their game. They just buy players. They don't buy chemistry. So if he went to a club where he's going to play against better competition, he's going to have to elevate his game and will, by extension, become a greater player. Harry Kane will never be a better player. He's reached his peak. He's at his peak at Spurs. It's not going to change no matter where he goes. Kylian Mbappe at Real Madrid, at Manchester United, he would become a better player because he'd be playing against better teams and would have to be better. And when you look at, like, you know, uh, what he could do in the Champions League. Sure, you can be good for a game here or there, but at the end of the day, if you're constantly having to carry an entire squad on your fucking shoulders, look look at Harry Kane. He's the only really worthwhile player on that squad for the most part, and they suck. They're garbage. Like, Harry Kane's league performance is killing Mbappe's UCL performance. You know, it's just like Harry Kane is going to be great, and he's going to carry them some games, but ultimately... One guy can't be a whole team, and they're going to finish mid-table, maybe six, qualify for Europa League. Same with Kylian Mbappe. He's going to carry them through sometimes. Maybe they'll make it to the semifinals, but they're never going to get over the line because you can't do it by yourself. Go to a team where the players and the manager are going to instill in you a desire to be better and greater and actually be there with you on that journey. Kylian Mbappe is wasted, wasted in Ligue 1. Harry Kane's not wasted. He just is what he is, and he'll always be that. I've got I've got some Harry Kane takes because we were I was sitting there thinking about this last night and we agree that when Harry Kane leaves, assuming that there's no massive signing for Tottenham, they're gonna they could be in the bottom half of the table next year. Like that's not unfathomable, right? Immediately, immediately. Okay. Okay. Now, have we? Is Harry Kane actually great? Is he a great striker? I think he is a great striker, but is he one of the greats? No. I could name I mean, you 10 people I'd rather take over him right now. 
I, I'm gonna just I'm gonna run through this because I think we've actually somehow managed to underrate Harry Kane. Because I started looking at the numbers and brace yourself with this. Because again, a lot of people are under the uh, under the impression that Harry Kane's not that good. Um, oh no, he 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 is good. He's gonna be England's people, top scorer. Like a lot of people, a lot of people think he's not that great. But like, listen to this consistency on a Spurs team that's been pretty shit for the better part of the last decade. Uh, 2015, 21 goals. These are all Premier League, uh, just Premier League goals. 2015, 21 goals. And that was his first year of actually, like, playing. Uh, 2016, 25 goals. 2017, 29 goals. 2018, 30 goals. 2019, he was injured, got 17 goals. Um, 2020, he only played in 29 games, 18 goals. 23 goals in 2021. Then last year, had a down year, eh, whatever. 17 goals still, not all that bad. And then this year, 30 goals on a shit team, on a team that was just horrendous with no fucks given. He could have easily tanked. I got to tell you, I think I'm actually coming around on Harry Kane. And I'm starting to think to myself. Think about this. He has less goals in the seasons where Spurs do better as a team. And why is that? Because Son is scoring, because whoever, Richarlison, because, you know, Harry Kane is scoring too. Like, everyone's getting in. If it's all up to him, Spurs are shit because they're just, like, force-feeding him. And also, especially this season, look how many of those are penalties. Like, don't get me wrong. They still count as goals, and they have to, you know, you have to get the penalty. But at the same time, he has, I believe, 10 penalties this season. Like, come on, man. Like, again, I said this. Harry Kane is a great striker. I don't believe he is one of the greats. He's going to be consistent for you. No matter what team he goes to, if it's a good team, he's going to get between 20 and 30 goals for you, 25 and 35 goals for you all competition. Sure, he's going to do that. But does he make your squad better? Only, only. I, I mean, like, obviously he makes the squad better because he's scoring goals, but he doesn't create that sense of we are a dangerous team against anyone we play because we have Harry Kane. Not the way with Erling Holland. Not the way with at least this season, Marcus Rashford, Holland's where it's like a moment of magic can win you the game. Harry Kane has a shitload of goals. Do you know how many of those goals are in losses? Like, what does that mean? Like, there's a lot of people that score. So what? If you're not creating a culture where you are affecting games with your goals, what's yeah. the point? It's like it's like going to PSG and Harry Kane having 40 goals a season. Who cares? Who cares? Do it when it matters. What happens in the England semifinal and the England final in the Euros. Oh, you didn't do anything because you just like to sit back, get those cake goals that you can against Brentford and against Bournemouth and against all these teams and then score penalties. And again, if he can't, you know, he's rumored to come to United, I'd love it because we need a number nine and he'd score 25 goals for us. But he is not going to win us the league. He's going to help us become better up front, but we need a whole team around him to support him, as we've seen at Spurs, where he's still scoring 30 goals, yet because his team around him is shit, it doesn't mean anything. Fair. I think Kylian Mbappe can change a game immediately. You bring Harry Kane on, it's not it's not the same. Yeah, you, you changed my you changed my perspective. Okay. All right. I feel better because I'm on, I'm on the same page with you. You're just you know, I looked at the numbers and said, wait a second. Yeah, again, he is so consistent, and he will finish his career as England's top scorer and the Premier League top scorer all time. He will do this. I'm just saying, if you had to bring on someone to change the game, are you bringing on Harry Kane or Holland? Easy, obviously, Holland. Stop. I also feel like Holland has ruined his career. 
because not everybody's going to be comparing him to Holland, and there will never be another Holland because Holland. Well, is- but yeah, like I mean, it, you know, I think there's a couple of players that you could say that about. It's like, are you going to bring on Harry Kane or Benzema? Who would you do, who would you bring on to change a game? Benzema. See, that's what I'm saying. You're thinking about it, and Harry Kane has a shitload more goals than Benzema. Uh, different players, though. Different players. But they're both number nines that play exclusively up front for their squads and are at 30. Like, mm. you know, that's the other yeah. thing with Harry Kane. What has he won so far in his 14 seasons with Spurs? Nothing. That, like, that, that right there says all you need to know. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, but all yeah. Right. All right, that's basically all we got this week, yeah? Yeah, preview of the FA Cup on Friday. Come check it out on Friday, everybody. We're out of here. Touchline Band Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe. We're out of here. We love you. Thank you. See you guys Friday.